Today at the SDGI Directors in Dialogue, leading names of the Irish film industry join a panel discussion on animation in Ireland, chaired by Ballyfermot College Programme Leader in Animation, Gareth Lee. Actually, in prison, and then there's other ones about people who have 
like my life, my life action film who's imprisoned by their disability or you know you have that in some animations as well external world is, is quite a so that there could be something about we'll see how that develops there could be something about imprisonment might be a recurring theme in Irish film yeah, so more more um there's, there's more obviously you know kind of a link in terms of themes rather than necessarily style of, of animation yeah style is way out there at the moment yeah, yeah it's all okay. interesting okay great um Seamus you um you graduated mid mid 90s this was just as Sullivan Luke was maybe maybe even closed and you graduated I'm not sure but you know I suppose what was it like for you coming out at that time it was very great Look, obviously the seeds are being sown for, for what's going to happen today, but you obviously weren't to know that at the time. So, so what was it like for you coming out then? Had you already made the decision to, to look abroad? And I suppose how did you get your break then with Ireland? Yeah, it was a little bit. Um, Southern Blue kind of closed suddenly, almost overnight. And um, I was in Valley Firmus, I think my first year, I think, when it, it closed down. Um, at that stage, I started to do some stop motion animation anyway uh, for about a year. And the only stop motion I had really seen was, you know, Gregory Gronjord and Bosco and saw some more, more from Aardman. And I stayed in Dublin for maybe a couple of years after that and done a little bit of work with Brown Bag. And I'd done less traditional hand-drawn animation. At that stage, I was doing all stop motion stuff. But I was using the skills I'd sort of learned with the, um, like the Sheridan teachers with the squash and stretch. I was trying to apply that to plasticine, which is kind of tricky, but... That's what was my um, thing on it. And I uh, went to, um, to Galway for a little while, worked on an Irish language story there and some um, small TV stuff for television as well talked to. But it was still kind of drying up slightly and there was a lot of people leaving to go here, there and everywhere. And tried every other thing kind of in Dublin. I'd done some corporate work and you know, when new Coca-Cola bottles were being introduced, they asked for some stop motion. But uh, eventually, um, Features was one thing I really wanted to work in, and I knew that Ironman were going to be maybe looking to do a feature in the near future, and I didn't have anything else to do in Ireland at the time, so that's why I moved across there in 96, 97. Great. As, a, as an Irish animator working um, in the UK, um, are you very much aware of what's kind of going on in the Irish animation industry? And so, is it in general um, in the UK, are they? Absolutely, yeah, especially in the last you know couple of years, it's just you hear more and more about all the studios in Dublin and all the great work that's been done here. And with Secret of Kells as well, of course, getting Oscar nominated, that really kind of puts um, Cartoon Saloon on the map, especially. And uh, a lot of people I work with in, in the west of England, you know, have been over here to Ireland, know a lot of people in the industry as well. And um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's Every time I come back, I always try and see what's going on in the local studios and um, yeah, I'd love to come back. Okay, thanks. Um, moving on to, to Nora, um, Nora, you, you finished from college in the, the late 90s, so it was still, you know, still pretty bleak enough time, obviously there were some studios set up, and you, start, you started with Cartoon Saloon Medicine, you left college with, um, with a few of the other guys from your class, Tom Moore and, uh, and so on, yeah, well. and um, over the years, so you, you've, you've um, Yes, you've worked on various different things, but this was always in the background. You were working on Kells kind of pre-production for for about ten years or so, I think. Yeah, I suppose the question I wanted to ask you was, Kells is a, obviously a very, very Irish story, um, and I, I suppose given what kind of happened with Sullivan Bluth, um, great. I think given the fact that you guys are working on, on this as a feature, um, were you were you kind of always wary that you know 
that's an Irish idea that it might not travel well, it might not find an audience. Is that something that worried you guys? Or? Um, not initially. Initially, actually, the story was a hell of a lot darker. I think the, the story originally um, that Tom had was when he was a teenager, and it was a kind of a teenage story about these monks that were like against the world and everything was really black. And, you know, we, there was, like, I think the climax of the film was an absolute kind of slaughter. <laughs> too much, I suppose, different from that we tried to layer it, you know, so that maybe kids might uh, not uh, see it so much. But um, uh, so, um, did we? Th no, I think we just went for when when it got around to actually making the, the you know the, the final <coughs> draft of the script. We we really just tried to make a good story, I suppose. And because you're making an independent film, which is probably more reliant on soft money. Which you, no, it's not like the, the kind of Hollywood model where everything has to be, every corner has to be knocked off and make sure it's hugely commercial. Um, with European productions, people, uh, companies tend to make their money um, on the production of the, the film itself. And they don't look too much to the distribution of it. And lots of times uh, it's not, it mightn't be handled all that well anyway. You know, so you're looking over the longer kind of span of a feature film rather than kind of its commercial, you know, when you put into the cinemas that it's going to do as well as a Hollywood film, you know. So European films tend to be a lot more kind of artistic anyway, I suppose. But a good story, if, if you can try and craft your story, you know, that it, that it hits beats that, that are kind of universal. I mean, I've been to Buenos Aires and saw the film there with, with small kids there. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same reaction as you get here once it's dubbed properly, you know, so. And uh, obviously, um, you, you guys went through a very different process to, to Soul Blue, as you kind of mentioned there, um, and it's obviously very difficult, you know, as, as a smaller student to make a feature given the kind of work that goes into it and the financing, as you said. Um, obviously, you guys made the films as a co-production with other studios. Can you talk a little bit about, about that and the kind of ups and downs of co-production with, with other studios in other countries? Yeah, we had um, we had Vivi Film in uh, uh, Belgium and we had uh, Les Amateurs in France. Uh, it was France we got on board uh, originally. Tom and Paul uh, pitched the, the film, a cartoon movie, and Didier Brunet, the uh, producer there, got involved with it from a very early kind of... Um, very early uh, uh, time in the, in, in the process. We'd made a, a, a trailer at that point and we had, uh, we had a, a draft of the script. And um, yeah, no, co-producing with other, co you can't really do it in Ireland unless you find like a benevolent benefactor who doesn't mind, you know, losing a lot of money on an independent animated film. <laughs> you're not gonna find somebody who's, you know, you're not gonna get your money from one source. So you have to co-produce with other countries. On our next production, it, we'd be more, we've got a, a co-producer in Luxembourg, in Denmark, in uh, Belgium, in France, so lots and lots of uh, uh, co-producers. And it's difficult because each of those production companies has to take a production fee, so you actually end up in a way with less on the screen than you would if you had one chunk of money in with one, one production company. But um, at the same time, the, the companies, the smaller con companies, um, are oftentimes in it for really the same reasons that we are, which is trying to get a really kind of artistic vision up on the screen, you know. And you find a huge energy for that, and just stuff that you can't buy, and stuff that's you know unquantifiable, you know. Um, so, but having said that, you need then at the same time to have a really tight production because everybody because it, there's a lot of reliance on soft money, which is like you know tax credits and that in different uh, countries. You have to make sure that everybody's ready to start at the right time and that the, the production because everybody has the same end date but the, the start date keeps getting pushed because you know there are delays in contracts and all this kind of stuff. So um, it can get quite hairy. And you, what we found very useful with the uh, Kells and what we're using again in our next production is um, 
a production pipeline software that everyone has to use <coughs> and it's internet based so you can see no matter where you are in the world you can see how the production is doing and you can see each scene where it's at and that um, on, uh, on the internet so it's great technology today it's fantastic <laughs> Um, with Montana, obviously, you know, Canvas is also a great success with feature animation. Yeah. One of the other, um, uh, one of the other uh, shining lights of Hawaii animation is obviously uh, our shorts. Um, and obviously with the film board, you guys have been involved in, in funding you know, yeah. shorts through frameworks and so on. And we've been very successful with, with our animated shorts in terms of Oscar nominations and other awards, and obviously with live action shorts as well. Um, so in terms of shorts, why do you think shorts work so well for, for Irish well, I think probably, you know, the financing of it has a lot to do with it, unfortunately. I mean, uh, you know, obviously with something like Frameworks, it's, it's kind of pre-financed. Um, we have our partners in RTE, Arts Council, and uh, the, more recently the BAI, um, just for a limited period of three years, they're coming in with us. Um, and I guess that kind of gives the filmmaker the freedom to work uh, at home on their own vision for the picture. It's a short film, so issues like script writing can be more easily dealt with than on a bigger production. Um, it's easier to feed into, it's e problems are easier to fix from an earlier stage. You're not dealing with all the multi-partners that Nora was talking about, which can obviously protract everything, confuse things. People's, you've, you're dealing with different tastes, obviously. Um, you know, so I think all of those factors help if the director has a really good vision coming in and it's a great idea, they're, they're, they're in a much stronger position to be able to realise that with a short film. Um, we also, obviously, because they're, they're cheaper, it means that more of them get made, mm -hmm. and so obviously the hit rate can be higher. But I mean, Frameworks has been you know, just really successful. It's been, it's, it's been going for 15 years, which is kind of extraordinary. It's probably one of the only schemes that we haven't changed in the, in the film board. Um, because it just, I think people recognise that it continues to deliver on a certain level. And I hope it will continue to do that. Obviously things have changed so much over those years. I mean, I guess it also comes back to the script thing. It's really interesting hearing Jared talk about the Spielberg as soon as he exited, kind of things started to, to wobble a bit. Because I, I, I do think, you know, and, the, and it's interesting in terms of the animation colleges as well, but, you know, certainly for, for a, an organisation like the Film Board, we read the script. I mean, the visuals are hugely important for animation. But we also love to see a good story, and you know, and who doesn't, you know? Um, and I think if you do need to kind of concentrate on that, um, fix it at script stage, and then, you know, you you can make it into a beautiful film. Um, and I know certainly on on something like Song of the Sea, and uh, you know, which is which is Nora's next um, cartoon saloon feature. There's been so much attention paid to the to the screenplay, hasn't there? There has, yeah, 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 yeah a lot more probably than in Kells as well, and we'll be an Irish writer this time round as well, yeah. which is which is fantastic. Will Cohen, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah a young yeah. Irish writer, and, and to be able to give Will that opportunity is extraordinary. So I think the writing should be combined always with the with the creative, you know, it's very much part of the creative vision uh, for the animation. Obviously, Ireland, you know, as we all know, has a, has a history of you know great writers. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, in terms of fiction and drama and so. I think it's getting there, but I think you know, I think people need to to write and for the work to be produced in order for them to to develop, you know. So it's quite an expensive process. That's again probably why the shorts are so valuable. Um, because I do think I, I know certainly from you know, companies abroad would often insist on maybe US writers if you're doing co productions, you know. They want to see writers, or in the UK as well, they want to see writers with proven track records. And it's the old chestnut of how do you get that track record if you're never allowed to 
to, to, to get off the ground in the first place. So, so Irish companies are usi- using Irish writers and, and getting those writers broadcasted and, and in, in television series you know, that will sell abroad. That's really, really valuable because they can go on then to develop their careers. Um, okay, moving on to, to Darren, finally. Uh, Darren, obviously you've been um, involved or involved in Sign Up Peg Bar um, over the last few years, which is a networking group that um, holds events for, for, for animators and the animation community. So you had a lot of experience of working with the animation community, so I was hoping you might talk a bit about that. Um, how do you find the animation community? Are they, you know, you, you, I hear all the time it's a very giving community, very sharing, very supportive community. And how important are events like this and networking events in terms of relationships and so on. Be careful because this is the uh, community here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> so I suppose like um, yeah, Peg Bar was set up in 2008 and um, it was set up for, for one sort of big reason is because when myself and other uh, body farmer graduates came out we could not find an animation community. We were going to different film festivals and we were finding you know sort of animators on a limited sort of basis and finding a sort of a limited crowd to interact with and we really wanted to know what other animators were doing in Ireland and uh, how we saw it was you know you know sort of let's put on our own event let's get animators to come to us and let's you know network with these people find out what's coming out of IADT find out what's coming out of Clash Dilly, find out who's in the industry how do we get in contact with companies and, and work that sort of uh, angle on it and uh, what we found out that there was hundreds of people in the animation community. They were all lovely. Uh, they were uh, fantastic to hang out with. Like we, we did some showcasing of uh, different animators' work. Uh, we went drinking with them. We went sort of like you know across the board. Then all of a sudden, like in between peg bar meetups, we were meeting up anyway. Uh, we saw a lot of um, from different peg bar events. We saw people getting jobs out of them. People sharing jobs to different uh, animators, if, if whoever they knew or met and felt that they were of sound body and mind, you know, you'll share the job with them and, you know, uh, we were finding out what other people's portfolios were, were, were like and, you know, sort of learning from that as well because, you know, um, there is this big learning curve coming from college uh, into industry and you have to really sort of learn with people. Uh, and people like-minded people as well. So we were finding out like that there was loads and you know loads and tons of like-minded people like us, uh, and we were just learning from them. And uh, sort of the communities and like and the attendees and peg bar were were quite an initiative as well because they were setting up their own collectives for for certain purposes. Uh, they were setting up their own blogs and then they were blogging together and then they were linking everybody on their blogs and using sort of uh, technology and in the internet in a, a really sound and smart way, you know. Um, and, you know, from sharing knowledge obviously comes great sort of leaps and bounds in, in the learning curve. Uh, that's really helped a lot of people, like from, you know, uh, like seeing people, our first attendees in 2008 to what, what they are now and who they're working for and what they've started and, you know, uh, sort of, it's fantastic to see, like, and it's fantastic to see people sort of grow and everybody's welcoming new people and trying to get them on the learning curve. We've got a lot of students coming down to us, uh, a lot of graduates, a lot of professionals, um, and it's great to see people talk about their experiences and it's like, it's just a big free for all for people to go and shake hands with a stranger and find out what they do and, you know, back and forth, like. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. 
Okay, um, so what I'll do now is I'm going to just have a couple of general questions and then I'll, I'll open it up to the, the audience. So kind of related to what, what Dan was saying, um, obviously festivals have played a part in uh, the promotion of Irish animation over the years and we've got Irish festivals like the, the Galway Film Plan that has a, you know, an, an emphasis on animation and the Darklight Festival in Dublin. And there have been a couple of attempts to, to set up you know, an Irish animation festival, although nothing seems to have stuck. So I'm just wondering, you know, why isn't there, I know Steve, sorry, has the, the light box thing as well, but um, I suppose, why is there no, you know, kind of main Irish animation festival, and do you think there should be one given the kind of the level of success that's, that's out there at the moment? Anybody can answer. <laughs> I think Lightbox was very successful. <laughs> sorry, uh, I, I attended Lightbox uh, last year, and I thought it was, it was uh, very successful. It's in, and it's in Sligo. Yeah. It, it is in Sligo, and I you do have to travel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, but it's worth travelling down to anyway, like. And he's not paying me to say this either. <laughs> um, I suppose uh, in terms of getting it, I think it's it's quite hard, and it, it's uh, sort of there has to be an evolution of like uh, you know from start to finish, it's like the Isacon, you know, and there's there's this evolution of running an event like that. Like uh, Peg Bar tried to set up a day event, and it just didn't work out. Completely didn't work out. And now we've you know we've we were looking at our target audience, and we're always looking to develop. What we are doing in Peg Bar, and looking at sort of who it's affecting, and what what audience we're getting, and how how can we sort of develop to our audience? Uh, so I, I hope you know Lightbox is going to evolve into something amazing, uh, and Isacon or whatever projects are, are going ahead anyway. Like you know, so uh, that's my words. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else want to say anything? Or they move on to. Can I just add because yeah. we tried one year in Kilkenny. Yeah. And uh, it's just really expensive, and it needs to be one person with a vocation, I think, really, that mm -hmm. needs to take it on. Because otherwise, if you're trying to do it as part of something else, you just can't. It's just because you're going to lose money the first couple of years as well. So it has to be a really focused vocation for you know somebody or a group of people to take it on, I think. Okay. I think, Gareth, just to, yeah, uh, the plan for me was always the animation festival, because the Saturday was the Frameworks Day, and Sunday morning was New Irish Animations. And, you know, that seemed to work really well for years, so I think, you know, that, that as well is still the case, I think, but uh, it, it, it's a great festival and a good venue as well. Okay. Um, so one more, one more general question. Obviously, um, everyone's very much aware of, of how things are at the moment, those great success stories all the time. Recently heard, um, recently read an article which referred to this year as, as the golden year, which was kind of nice to hear. Um, but I suppose, what, 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 what do the panel think are the kind of key factors that have kind of led to the success that's around today, be it government initiatives or whatever. Um, so anyone want to jump in on that? Well, I'd say just very, well, this is only based on the last number of years experience, but I um, have found the work of the animation companies, people, people who are in animation, in contrast with a lot of other areas, tend to be extremely committed which is something that I absolutely love. They actually really love what they do. And that comes across, it's, like, it's almost like a fusion between being artists as well as being business people. And so very often with business people, you, you know, people are talking, it's about finance. Actually, oh, animation is totally about finance because you've got these huge sums of money together, but it is informed by something completely different. And there, it's an, the animation sector to me are an extremely impressive bunch of people. And to see them operate on the international stage, going you know, to all of these different festivals, people are terribly taken with. Mm. All of them, and any time that I say, you know, the, you know, from Irish television, whatever, the, the Irish animation has this global reputation. People are very, very impressed by the, you know, the 
and bags, you know, all of the guys here, they know who they are, and women, you know, who are going out there and they all know and they work the system and they do really high quality work. And I do think what, you know, I was really sorry not to be here for the earlier session, I wasn't able to be here, but I do think when you talk about that history that has come along, like I remember the first time when I took over my job, um, Aidan Hickey, Cahill and Jared came in and they basically bawled me out of it and said, what the hell is Orti doing for animation? You know? And if somebody actually believes in what they're doing that much, that carries a lot of weight. So I think certainly for me, in the time that I've been here, that is, I mean, I don't know about government incentives is a totally different thing, but I think that you've got a bunch of people, and I'd say everybody here, the fact that you turn up on a Saturday, you want to be here, that is a really, really valuable resource that translates into an energy that can take things in a different direction. I think that's... Yeah, I, I agree with everything you say there. Uh, sure. I think the, the, you know, there's an element of the people who stayed behind here and, and built up the industries. It reminds me of people who, who emigrated back in the 50s or the 1890s or whatever and made great successes for themselves in, in America. There seems to have been something that uh, they stayed here and made those successes here. You know, it seems like really, really amazing that they, that they just dug in and took the hits and, you know, they survived and, and then now they're prospering. Prospering in a place where a lot of things are prospering, right. and, the, and the, as well as everything else you said, you know, and the commitment to their art form, is, uh, you know, and, and there seems to be a good esprit de corps. You know, the, I've seen people. Uh, I was actually, I won't mention names, but I was actually in a, at a sort of a market type thing at a festival, and, and uh, somebody said, "God, this guy's pitching a really good idea to me, but we're really busy now." You know, I think this other company might be able to do it, and so I was sort of shipped over. To, you know, say, look, they're talking over here, you might be able to get in here. So it wasn't like, oh, we're going to keep mm. this and we're not going to let anybody else have it and if it goes somewhere else, that's, you know, great because our competitors didn't get it. They weren't thinking about competitors. They're thinking about, you know, yeah. we will support collaborative. We mm. 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 I mean, I think, I think government support is hugely important, obviously. Um, you know, the ongoing 481, um, I think people need to know that that's going to remain there into the future because animation is such a long time cycle anyway. Um, I think, you know, particularly if you're going abroad to try and get co-productions or get, get people to come in here, you need to know that that's, that's committed to uh, further into the future. Um, the film board, obviously, the funding is really vital in terms of just even developing projects. I think, you know, we can, we can jump in early on. We can take the risk with the filmmakers. Um, and, and, and help build up the cornerstone to get them even out to the markets abroad. That's, that's hugely important that that funding is there for us. Um, at the moment, we've about 850,000 a year to spend on television animation. Um, and by television, that would also include any kind of other formats that come in, like online. But we also have separate funding for feature film animation. So, you know, we really try and use that money wisely. But I think that ongoing support from government is just so vital. And I think that people really need to keep, you know, banging on the door and reminding the government because the, the talent here is huge. We've seen that time and time again. I mean, you never hear in any other sector, we can't find the people, we don't have enough people to work, you know, which I hear constantly from the animation companies here. So, you know, I think the government really need to continue to support. It's vital. And can I just add in, into that? I mean, when you mentioned the support, one of the other schemes that was very good for animation for a number of years was the BAI Sound and Vision. It's, I think it needs to be looked at again. I don't think there's been any, certainly for a few, year, for a few rounds, there's been very minimal support or no support at all for animation. But that's one of those, it, certainly in the first about eight or nine rounds, that like there's a big mm. pot of license money there, millions every year. And I think that animators need to fight for some of that money because there's you know th that's like the film board that's a block of money that could actually help a project get over the line you know yeah Gareth, i mean just from practical experience 
and I'm not going to give compliments, and I'll probably give a little bit to Sheila in the next question when he asks it. But I mean, prior to Sheila's appointment in RTE, RTE had no commission yet for children's programmes. And Cahill will tell you that we would ring RTE every day and never get, never get an answer out of the department to talk to. And we did push, and I don't know how much from the pushing of, uh, I think we were called Cartoon Ireland, or with some name at the time. And we, one of the things we were pushing for was the appointment of a commissioning editor. But anyway, Sheila became a commissioning editor of children's programmes. So for the first time, there was somebody there responsible for children's programmes. And we did go in and bang the desk there and give her a very hard time with that. We were dying to be in there and meet her. And, and she engaged with us. And, and at the same time, the BAI fund was launched. Mm. And so two things happened together. And then the film board also kind of changed and, and started making production funding available for, for TV animation. So things came together quite well. Uh, it wasn't the perfect solution, but it, 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 now all of a sudden we were making TV programmes uh, and, and RT was getting Irish-made animations. And there's hours of programming that's now in the library there. Um, and, and that was brilliant. Um, so I mean, those, they, they were key factors. Uh, the BAI have gone offside on us now. Uh, they now won't fund children's programmes. You know, the current round, they just gave out 4 million last week and 0.2% went to children's, 9,700 euro went to children's programs out of 4 million. So get onto your MPs and wherever and, and look it up. But it, something needs to be done about that. Um, but we, we do need that continued support across the board because um, as, as Nora mentioned, as, and it is a phrase you will hear, is soft money. TV programs are not self-financing. They, you know, they are made with license fee money. They're made with soft money and they're made with tax credits. It's not a commercial business, you know, except if you're in the UK or the US. Um, but, but in smaller countries, they have to be subsidised and you have to fight for those subsidies. Um, so, you know, RTE opening their eyes and appointing the commissioning editor, the BAI fund at the time, the, the film board recognising the animation sector, they were all key things. But at all times, we've got to keep all those things going together. And if one of them moves away, you know, everything falls apart. So we've a lot to do to maintain what we've achieved, but, but we have achieved a lot in the last seven years. Okay. And um, one more question, which I'll, which I'll come to at the end, but I want to open it up now to, um, to the audience. So if anyone has a question, if you just hold your hand, we'll get a mic to you. And uh, if you could direct your question to, you know, a particular panel member, or just save it for the, for the entire panel. Questions for Emma and for, for people who don't really know uh, what frameworks is. Uh, how would you how do you think that uh, frameworks help smaller companies to grow as a company, and how do like frameworks films kind of help them in the future, as in like turning into bigger projects or bringing them down different paths? Well, I guess it's it's a, it's I mean it's not for obviously students, you know, it's it's for people who who have had some kind of experience, but it it is a great stepping stone, you know, into making maybe you know working on your first television series or working. I mean, obviously, the film board are really interested in, in trying to get people to make features, um, but it's it's just so incredibly valuable because if it's a good framework, and there have been many of them over the years, you know, it will travel, um, you know, to festivals all over the world, and it's an incredible calling card for people. Um, if it starts to win awards, you know, it gets huge recognition. It'll get press. The film board obviously do an awful lot of publicity and press around all of that, so it certainly will get recognised in its, in its home country, but it's the recognition abroad that's really, really helpful um, to show in festivals, you know, 
like uh, Sundance or Annecy, um, and of course the ultimate is to be Oscar nominated. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Carl will tell you. I mean, the, the, you know, the the huge uh, benefit that was to the company. I think both times around. Um, but you know, it, it's it's the doors that it opens. You know, for just one small short film. Uh, it's what it can do for you as a company. So, I mean, I always encourage, you know, the younger companies that are starting up, you know, to, to put in for frameworks, you know, because that's really what it's there for. It's, it's to give people the chance to, um, I mean, both younger companies and, and older companies who'd like to, to maybe give someone in within their company a leg up to direct their first short film. Um, it's a way of, of them proving their talent. I think once we had, uh, both times, once we had the story kind of uh, in a place where we wanted it, then we started to look for co-producers because then they know what they're getting involved with, you know, and what, what the, you know, who, who the audience is and all the rest of it. So once, once you have a script that you're fairly happy with, really, is, is the time, I would say, to get co-producers involved with because otherwise it's just too nebulous. You can get it pulled, you know, the, the story will get pulled in all different directions and what demographic it's trying to hit and it can end up quite mushy. So once you know, once you have one draft, really, you know, that you're happy with, I think. And just uh, if I can follow up on that very quick, what are some of the challenges of working with co-producers, particularly if they're not English-speaking or maybe kind of a different sensibility? Yeah, um, uh, I'd say one of the most daunting things on Kells was you would start, we, we did uh, about 15 or 20 minutes of the animation in Ireland first to try and kind of lock the style. And then maybe a year later, we were in Hungary trying to explain to animators, you know, with the, that were all buzzed up from the last project that they'd, you know, been on and were trying to, infuse the animation style of the last thing that they were into into Kells when we been a, spent a whole year you know trying to get it in a specific style so just continually ha having to introduce new teams I suppose to 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 the particular process for the feature that you're on is 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 pretty difficult and just to travel around and um yeah different studios you know, you have to remind everybody that we're all, you know, we're, we're in the films kind of team, you know, because when people are in different places, you tend to kind of find it them and us, you know, and it's just to try and keep the whole momentum going together to kind of complete the film is, is pretty daunting. But there are great things too with working with, uh, like I said, small companies or, you know, people who uh, develop their own software have, have solutions that you wouldn't think of, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's good too. Very few people <coughs> actually ended up working in, in uh, 
I, I just wanted to clarify that because I, I think it's, it's, it's an important thing when we, when we look back with those tins and glasses and the barbecues and the parties and all that that were there. And it was great. I actually did work experience with Duke myself, but the only thing I got out of it was a couple of boxes of Duke pencils. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to uh, just, just make that point because what excites me about Irish animation now is that it is owned by indigenous Irish companies who are paying tax in Ireland and we're at the heart of the creative and digital economy at the moment. Uh, I just think that's such an important uh, uh, thing that, you know, when in, in the 90s when, when all this started to happen, we were in the backdrop of, um, you know, you might as well be setting up Brown Thomas and Michael Island and setting up an animation company in Dublin or Kilkenny. So like, there's no film board, there's no VAI, there's no TV, there's, there's absolutely nothing. So uh, it, it, it's just, you know, I just wanted to we have any other questions? Yeah. Take one more of the back yeah. there. Um, just one question for Jared. Um, whenever it came to Sullivan and Fluke and Old Russell, why do you think that we prefer doing 3D animation and digital rather than 2D anymore and stop motion and uh, hand drawn? Why, why have we made this transition rather than sticking with the hand drawing, which I personally see much more sales in now? Yeah, well, I mean, I think most of the companies in Ireland, and Dan, you said they were all lovely people. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Cobble, I should have given you that shot. is actually the only company that, that I think that does 3D. The rest of the, all the animation companies, Boulder, Guardian Surround, Monster, all working using 2D, albeit a 2D digital medium. It's just not practical to make a television series hand-drawn anymore. You know, it, the economies of scales is not there. A, you probably couldn't find enough people that, that you would require to, to hand-draw a series. And I mean, I, I, I think, you know, most of the, say, like The Simpsons, if it's done, is done in India or Korea or China, like, you know, where they have massive numbers <coughs> of people and, and, and obviously the, the, the cost of environment. So, I mean, we've modified, I mean, we started off as a traditional 2D studio and when we worked on the, the Willows and Winters, it was all hand-drawn and we did animation in between, clean-up special effects, very labour-intensive, uh, very slow, you know, and, and the digital era moved that all on for us. Um, and true flash and true, actually, a, a, a scheme that the film board ran, ran years ago called Irish Flash and we did a number of them. Um, and, and a lot of the frameworks that were done kind of using digital 2D. It, it just, it, I agree, I mean, it would be great to be able to do hand-drawn 2D projects, but it's just not practical. You just, you'd never be able to, uh, to find the number of people to do it uh, or afford it. It's just, it just couldn't happen. I mean, an animator on a television series today can do, depending on the typical series, can do on a daily basis between 10 and 15 seconds a day. And that's fully rendered animation. So like it's it's animated, it's drawn, backgrounds are in, they're doing their own effects. Uh, an animator, when we were working in Sullivan Balut, would do a week probably four seconds. So you know, that just gives you an idea of the scale. So that, that it's really down to that only. I 
I'm Catherine Tierney with Screen Producers Ireland. We represent some of the animation companies um, who are operating in Ireland. Just a couple of points I wanted to make. There's kind of more points of information, and it's a bit on the kind of serious side as well. Um, you mentioned the AI, uh, just so you're aware. Jared, for example, is on the board of, of SPY, and we have made communication, we have communicated with and are engaging with the AI in relation to this issue and how little of the, the funds has gone to children's programming over the last number, the last eight, four rounds in particular. So that is a process which is ongoing and hopefully we'll, we'll catch some movement there. Um, secondly, Sheila, I would engage others with RTE to say anything we can possibly do to help you uh, get more money for animation upstairs in RTE, we will, we will do because I think, you know, all the animation companies appreciate uh, that, you know, your role there now and all that kind of stuff, but it's still such a tiny amount of money out of the independent production unit budget that really, if there's anything we can do to help double or triple it, that would make a very significant difference. The other kind of note of, of, of uh, <coughs> seriousness on the horizon is, is uh, the UK are, are, are now going to be introducing a tax credit as of April next year, assuming everything goes all right, which is great news for the UK sector and hopefully it's also good news for us and it would provide a way for possibly for co-production, more co-production between the UK and Ireland. But it is also a note of caution that it could have a very serious impact on work which, service work, that which some of the companies are doing here, which could otherwise go to the UK. Um, you know, I mean, it would probably take a year or two for that to impact, but something that we should be aware of. And therefore, it's so important that the film board and RTE and the AI, etc., uh, keep investing more in Indigenous production. Okay, um, I'll finish up with one, one question, but just, um, I, I would agree with Colin, I actually think it is uh, it's much more accurate to refer to this period in Irish animation as, as a golden era. I think it's a, you know, it's kind of fairly clear to me that the, the situation in Ireland is much more robust and, uh, you know, much in a much better place, I think, than, than when Southern Blue was here. My, my last question, um, some, some, some people have pointed out some, some issues that are going to affect the um, the sustainability of the industry going forward. So my last question to the, to the panel is, um, you know, we all want things to continue, we want things to get better and, uh, and the industry to get stronger. Um, I suppose what, you know, obviously there are issues facing, so what, what one thing would you all like to see happen in your wish list wise to ensure that the industry can continue to grow? So I'll just let each panel just, just pick one thing that they, they'd like to see happen or change. And it starts, Steve. Okay. Uh... Well, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd like to see Peg Bar grow and festivals grow. But um, I think uh, just, just as Emma mentioned, uh, uh, Framework's been a, a stepping stone. I'd like to see more of a stepping stone between um, graduates and Frameworks. If there was something that could fit in there, you know, for people, uh, you know. Um, I mean, Barley Films had a bit of a uh, few films that they took people straight from, uh, from college uh, and even gave them Frameworks and Short Shorts, and I think... Uh, Maybe if that was, I mean, you can only do so much of that. So um, it'd be nice if there was some sort of slot in you, a new slot in you award, maybe. Okay. Um, I suppose the changes that I would look for would have to be through legislation. That's, you know, the, um, every time, well, you hear interviews with, them, say, the managing director of RTE or the director general of RTE, when they get interviewed after their recent appointments, they always talk fondly about children's programs and the use because it's a nice one to use in 25% of our population, our children. But I never see that impact coming down the line from them in any kind of significant manner. 
um, and it's yet yeah, it's used all the time by them in, in those kind of nice Irish Times articles and all that's a picture from my kid on the wall and I love children's programs but I, I don't see them giving Sheila the resources to make those changes. So I think the only way to force those changes is through legislation. Um, you know, that also goes with the Film Board. I mean, the Film Board Act is almost 30 years old and it talks about film and in, in film only rather than about the content sector. So I, I think, you know, having been around and lobbied for a long time to get things changed, and it, it depends on who takes in the, the, the seat at the time and what their view on, on how the sector should run. And ultimately, you know, we're at the sacrifice of that. But if the legislation said what had to be done, then it's very difficult for those people to move away from that. And I think we all know the lack of legislation has left us where we are. So I think we should apply that across, especially for children's programmes. So I think the Minister for Communications, we had a great opportunity to broadcast in 2009, and our good friend Eamon Ryan from the Green Party let us down badly. We lobbied him, and he went missing the day that the legislation was being put through, and he, and he failed to put in children's quotas. And he had a great opportunity to do so. So um, for any Green Party members, if you don't say Ryan, um, but I think legislation is definitely the only way for this sector to be around in 25 years' time as a viable sector. Um, I think there's always been a great storytelling tradition in Ireland, and especially in animation and short stories and short films. But I would love to see that to be um, in feature films as well. I mean, what cartoons Selena are doing with um, Secret of Kells has been fantastic. Um, apart from the uh, Sullivan Blue films years ago, I think feature animation Ireland is just at its infancy, and I think we can um, I think we can move on to uh, more features in Ireland in the future. I know it costs a lot of money, but um, I think the talent and the storytelling is there. Um, well, I, I think what's really positive in the last couple of years, and that is that people are. Um, just having ideas and executing them and finding ways to execute them and I think that if the Irish industry is less dependent on service we'll be less blown by whatever tax credits come in to different co other countries or we, you know, I think that if, if we kind of lead as much as we can because our sensibilities are so unique being partly influenced by the US and partly influenced by Europe and that I think that you know, if we kind of try and nurture our own kind of IP and um, intellectual property that the better off we'll be. Um, so concentrating on producing quality work and yeah, ourselves. Okay. ourselves. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see more feature uh, animations uh, coming through from, from Ireland. We see quite a few co-productions. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess the colleges, for me, I think that's really key. We talk about it a lot, but that there's more industry involvement with colleges. Maybe it's more formalised. And the stepping stone thing, I mean, what Giant Creative did with you guys, the, the summer project, you know, using the summertime maybe, uh, for, for recent graduates or, or people who are about to graduate and to use the facilities um, and partner up with people and to use maybe those months in the summer to really try and professionalise uh, students and give them a chance to, to have one step on the ladder uh, you know, ahead of the pack. I think that would be really great. Good. Um, I think possibly two <coughs> things. One of them is um, you know, when you talk about funding, I would like to see like cross cross-funding, you know, Department of Enterprise. I mean, I think there's so many different areas that the skills that animation brings to, to um, the creative industries, uh, that they should be receiving support from a lot of other ranges, and not just from the film board and television, but also from a whole sort of industrial side of things, you know, enterprise, education. I mean, there's so many different places that funding actually should be coming from. Um, 
And the second thing, and this is more like a, a, a continuity, but it, you mentioned it, Steve, but one of the things is this collaborative thing. I would One of the strengths that the animation sector has is that you don't fight with one another. You know, apart from about the important things like George and Cole. <laughs> apart from, you know, major philosophical issues. But, you know, when it actually comes to working together, there's a really good collaborative thing. Don't ever lose that. Like, they, you know, if... When somebody has a good idea, they have a good idea, and you, their idea is not going to get any weaker by telling somebody else about it, you know. And I think there's an awful lot to be shared, and I think that that it is a quality of the animation sector as it is, and of all the new people coming through, is that they work together and that they share ideas. And I think that that needs to continue. It's support for one another. You wish for a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, I suppose, uh, yeah, I, like in the future, I like I, I totally agree with everybody on the panel here, and. Sort of getting that sort of uh, the growth, of, like the continuation of the growth of uh, sort of collaborating community and stuff like that. But uh, I also think like there's a there is a sort of and Gareth, you work very hard on it. Is is you know sort of revolutionising education into you know bringing it up to sort of uh, at least bridging uh, a lot of gaps between college and uh, industry. Uh, I think we can you know all sort of come together and try and help colleges as much as we can. Like. And as a chair of the panel, I wish for all those wishes to come true. <laughs> okay, now I really want to um, thank all the panel for, for participating today and for sharing again their, their information and their knowledge with us. So we give them all a big round of applause. We would like to thank our sponsors, the Irish Film Board and the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.